With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC on a Monday and the season is over. Liverpool 4, Southampton 4 at St. Mary's at the weekend. Diogo Jota put us 1-0 up. Romeo Lavia's first assist for the team. I'll just let that one sit for a second. Bobby Firmino made it 2 on 14 minutes after a good little ball by Fabinho. On 19 minutes, it was 2-1. James Ward-Prowse finishing past Queeving Kelleher after brilliant work by Carlos Alcaraz. Suleimana made it 2-2 on 28 minutes. And into halftime we went. 2-2, we'd thrown away a 2-0 lead. Both goals, for me, were savable. Both goals were poor defensively, but both goals were poor from Cuevin Keller. Into the second half, Camaldine Suleimana picks the ball up in his own half and just runs in a straight line, skips by Fabinho, nobody else makes a challenge, gets to the edge of our area and puts it into our net. 3-2 to Southampton. 64 minutes. Our fearless leader has come on. His first act is to look directly at Adam Armstrong and then pass the ball directly to Adam Armstrong. Maybe he thought he was back at Sunderland, saw a red and white shirt. Maybe this is what he's been dreaming of. Plays the ball to Adam Armstrong, who then runs in a straight line. Nobody gets close to him. And he finishes past Kelleher. Again, goals three and four, more so four, I thought were pretty poor from Kelleher. 72 minutes, Cody Gakbo gets one back. Nice work between Harvey and Trent. And Trent puts it on a plate for Cody. And a minute later, Jota is played through by Mo Salah and finishes, and it's 4-4. We then spent the remaining 24 minutes, inclusive of added time, trying to get Mo his... 20th league goal of the season is 31st in all competitions to no avail. 
having barely looked like a goalkeeper up until that point, Alex McCarthy turned into prime Gigi Buffon and denied him a couple of times. They were still threatening, but Cuevine Kelleher remembered that he had hands and made a couple of saves as well. So it ended 4-4. The player that impressed Jürgen the most, Fabio Carvalho, played not one minute. Not a single minute. James Milner played all 97. Jordan Henderson came on for 40-odd, including stoppage time. But not one minute for the player that impressed the manager the most. And then today, we have a story from David Lynch that Carvalho has been told that regardless of what happens in preseason, he's not part of the plans for next year. Which is just a very poor way to treat a player. Now, there are loan offers for him and there is a permanent offer for him. The permanent offer is not from a Premier League club, but it is a Champions League club. There's been some speculation it could be Porto, that it could be Benfica. I think either of them would represent a good move for him. I'd rather see him go to Benfica if he's going to one of the two, because I would have more affinity for them than for Porto overall. But I think either would represent a good move for him. Benfica would also make more sense for us because there's a couple of players there. Antonio Silva and Florentino, Florentino Luis, who would make a lot of sense for us. And perhaps we could finagle some sort of part exchange deal. But I think the best thing for Fabio Carvalho is to get himself as far away from Liverpool as he possibly can. He has played eight league minutes since January 1st. Eight league minutes. Whatever it is he's done wrong, I have no idea. It's been some talk that he didn't impress in a couple of games. How would you impress when you play once a month? Now, this is the thing. There are players who are allowed to be shit week after week after week. And rarely does anything get said about them. They don't get dropped. There's no question that they need to do more. They're just there. And then there are players who... We'll get one game a month. We'll struggle because they have no match practice. They're not up to speed. And they'll disappear then. And people will say, oh, well, they didn't impress when they got a chance. But they didn't get a chance. They didn't get a chance at all. Fabio Carvalho has not had a chance to impress in six months. Go back and look at what Fabio Carvalho has had to work with over the course of this season. In total, in total, 341 Premier League minutes, 113 Champions League minutes, 66 FA Cup minutes, 119 League Cup minutes. And he got one minute in the Community Shield, but that's irrelevant because it's a pre-season friendly. In those 119 League Cup minutes, he scored two goals and assisted one. No, sorry, he scored one goal and didn't assist any. Either way. Uh, And in his Premier League minutes, he scored two goals. He began the season featuring regularly. 
came on against Fulham, came on against Palace, came on against Manchester United, came on against Bournemouth and scored? Or did he start against Bournemouth and score? I think he started against Bournemouth and scored, didn't he? Um, came off the bench against Newcastle and won us the game. Started against Everton, got 45 minutes, was taken off, got 45 minutes against Brighton as well. So in that first seven games, you're looking at in and around 200 minutes in the league, in those seven games. Then he didn't feature against Arsenal. Then he played 17 minutes against City, 57 minutes against West Ham, and 62 minutes against Nottingham Forest. So there's another 130 minutes. So you're at about 3.30 for the season. In fact, you're at 3.29 for the season in the Premier League right there. That is the 22nd of October. We are 11 games into the Premier League season. Since then, in the Premier League, three minutes against Southampton in mid-November, two minutes against Bournemouth in mid-March, and six minutes against Leicester in mid-May. These are the opportunities he's been given in the league. In the Champions League, he played in three of the group stage games, played the full game away to Rangers, played 19 minutes away to Ajax and played three minutes at home to Napoli. He then got one minute against Real Madrid away. So 109 minutes in the first two games, four in his last two. In the FA Cup, he played 66 minutes against Wolves in the replay. In the League Cup, he played 75 minutes against Derby and 45 against City, a game in which he scored. And that's it. And rather than have him play regularly in the under-21s, he played once. He played 90 minutes back in September and hasn't played for them since. And this isn't a kid that's been injured. He's been fit all season. He's been on the bench unused 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18 times in the league, three times in the Champions League and once in the FA Cup. There wasn't any minutes he couldn't have gotten. You know, when we're beating United 7-0, he couldn't have gotten 15 minutes. No? Couldn't have gotten any minutes there at all? When we're beating Leeds, you know, he couldn't have been in the squad for that? When we're drawing 0-0 away to Chelsea and look appalling? Couldn't have come on? Couldn't have just rolled the dice and see if the kid could do something for you? When we're losing to Brighton, losing to Wolves, you couldn't have brought him on? See if he could do something? We bring on James Milner, who offers nothing, rather than a kid that might offer something. 
The treatment of Fabio Carvalho this season has been shocking. I don't care how he trains, personally. They don't have him on the bench. Stick him in the under-21s if he doesn't train well. But according to you, he works incredibly hard in training. His attitude never drops. So what's the issue here? Because it can't be that he didn't perform because he didn't give him the opportunity to perform. Played 11 league minutes from the middle of October on. 66 minutes in the FA Cup. hundred and twenty in the League Cup and four in the Champions League after October. So he played two hundred minutes from October until the end of the season. Having played more than that in September, in August and September and October. And it's not like things improved when you stopped playing him. It's not like results got better. You know, he didn't play against Brentford, Brighton, Chelsea, Wolves, Crystal Palace. Got two minutes against Bournemouth. Are we going to blame him for that one? Didn't play against City. Didn't play against Napoli when you got walloped in the Champions League. Didn't play against Real Madrid when you got walloped in the Champions League. Very, very poor management. That kid is well shot of Liverpool. Hope he gets his move. Hope he does really well. Relieved it's over and jotted the standout. The last word on Southampton 4, Liverpool 4 is the final verdict from This Is Anfield. There is a piece up about Heysel. It's obviously the anniversary of Heysel. Uh, talks with UEFA and FA apology and historic Senate speech. It's obviously just past the one-year anniversary of Champions League final in Paris and what went on. And it's important that it's not forgotten what went on and how close it came to disasterhood, really. Uh, a brotherhood that will last a lifetime Reds final goodbye as Virgil makes a vow. We saw the last of Bobby Firmino. He ended on a goal. We saw the last of James Milner. He ended falling down. Uh, we didn't get to see Naby or Ox because I assume they're injured or whatever. But those four will not play for the club again. And uh, and it's right that they don't play for the club again. The time had long since passed for three of them to leave. And it is the right time for Bobby to leave. Jurgen Klopp vows Liverpool will be a contender next season. And we need to hold him to that. We do. We need to hold him to that. This season cannot be repeated. Imagine we were our normal self, which we absolutely will be again next season, and we will be a contender again. That's how it is. The last 11 games helped us to realise that. Well, let's just take a quick look at Liverpool's last 11 league games, shall we? Um, Obviously, we won seven in a row. And we we drew four. 
to either side. So we took 25 points from 11 games. That's 2.28 points, 2.27 points per game. Multiply that by 38. That gets you to 86.36 points a game, which wouldn't have won you the league. Wouldn't have won it this season. Wouldn't have won it last season. Would it have won it in 2021? Would have had you tied for first. But City took it easy and lost two of their last four games because they had nothing to play for. So in all likelihood, they could have broken 90 points. Uh, wouldn't have had been enough in 1920. Wouldn't have been enough in 1819. Uh, wouldn't have been enough in 1718. Wouldn't have been enough in 1617. The last time that would have won you the league was 1516 when Leicester won it. So the last 11 games largely played against poor teams. Poor Arsenal, sorry, a poor Chelsea, an Arsenal side that were getting ready to collapse. Leeds who got relegated, Forest who stayed up by the skin of their teeth, West Ham who were dreadful. Uh, Just to put into perspective how poor some of these teams were, uh, Leeds lost 21 games this season. Forest lost 18. West Ham lost 20. Um, Spurs, who capitulated. Fulham, who, you know, decent season for them, to be fair. Uh, solid mid-table, but they had nothing to play for by the time we played them. And we got quite lucky to win that game with Allison making uh, at least one great save. I think two, maybe. Uh, we beat... Brentford 1-0 as well. Um, Again, a team that had little to play for, but, you know, still a solid mid-table team. After that, we beat Leicester, who've been relegated and who lost uh, 22 games this season. Aston Villa, they drew with us. They were the first decent side we'd really played since Arsenal, or good side with something to play Excuse me, something to play for. Since Arsenal, and we drew with them, and then we drew with Southampton, who were a train wreck and lost 25 times this season, only scored 32 goals in the 37 games before yesterday, but managed to score four yesterday. Understandably, we had a largely patched together defence because for some reason everybody stayed home, but the point still stands. The structure was a shambles. And Fabinho looked atrocious. And there will be games where we will need Joe Gomez or Joe Matip to play. And both of them looked awful. We conceded 47 goals this season. And even in this run where, you know, this 11-game run, two against Arsenal, one against Leeds, there's three. Two against Forrest is five. One against West Ham is six. Three against Tottenham is nine. Villa makes 10 and Southampton makes 14. 14 goals conceded in 11 games. You're not winning the league if that's your defensive record. And while, yes, the Southampton thing does skew it slightly, it was still 10 from 10 
in the previous 10 games. And that is not going to be good enough either. So these last 11 games might trick some people into thinking that next season everything will just be rosy and it'll be fine. But the truth of it is they don't indicate anything at all. If you go back a few years, I'll bring you all back to the 2014-15 season under Brendan Rodgers, where Liverpool finished sixth. And in the middle of that season, we had a little three-game unbeaten run, having had a disastrous run of games where we'd lost five and drawn two of a nine-game run. Twelve games into that season, we'd lost six times with only four wins and two draws. Then we won back-to-back games. Then we drew at home to Sunderland. Then we lost at Old Trafford, 3-0 to United. And at that point, it looked like Rodgers should go. Everybody will remember that. And then from the next game on, which was a 2-2 draw with Arsenal, we managed to win 10 and draw 3 of 13, which is a better run than we've just gone on now. 13 games unbeaten, 10 wins. Keeping clean sheets. Eight goals conceded in 13 games. Nine, maybe nine. I, I think I think I counted one twice. I think it's eight. Um, two, four, five, six, seven, eight. It is. It's eight goals conceded in 13 games. Winning games in a comfortable fashion. We beat Man City in that run. We beat a good Spurs team in that run. People thought we were back. People thought we were just going to cruise into top four. And then we collapsed and the end of season was a shambles and Rodgers should have been sacked at the end of that season. But the fact is, we were a bad team that year and we put together a 13-game unbeaten run with 10 wins and only eight goals conceded. That's better than this run that we've just gone on under Jürgen. Now, it's not to say Jürgen should be fired. I don't believe that to be the case, not at this point. But it's just to point out that just because you put together a run of games, just because you go unbeaten for a stretch, does not mean that you'll bounce back. Because look at how we started the next season. Look at the how we ended that season. And then look at how we started the next season. Dreadful. Utterly dreadful. Rogers was sacked on the 4th of October. And I'm convinced he was a, they only waited that long to sack him because they didn't want to sack a manager in September because it would be mortifying that he didn't do it in the summer. But everybody knew if you were around at that time, you remember Graham Kelly put it out middle of that week, win or lose, Rogers is gone after the derby. Win or lose, it's over. We draw 1-1. They're still on Sky, and it's announced that he's sacked. Thierry Henry put his hand on Jamie Carragher's leg. So don't let 
an 11 game run against largely Dross trick you into thinking this is some easy path back to where we should be. It's a long road back. It really is. Because we need a lot this summer. Cuevin Keller will almost certainly leave this summer, so we'll need a backup goalkeeper. Adrian will leave. You could argue we could do it bringing in another experienced, homegrown, preferably third-choice keeper who'd actually be the fourth choice because, you know, Harvey Davies or Pitaluga or somebody would be the third choice. Um, But at least one goalkeeper. We need a backup for Trent. We've needed one for a while. Uh, Calvin Ramsey was meant to be that, but he's not close to ready. And he doesn't really fit how we play now. So it would be a little bit unfair to ask the lad to come back from a season that's been wrecked by a back issue and then just not playing and then a knee issue to immediately learn a new position. Um, Joe Gomez and Joe Matip are no longer of the standard required and both should be sold and both should be replaced. We need to replace Andy Robertson as a starter because he doesn't fit the new shape. So there's five players, goalkeeper, four defenders. We need three in midfield. Now, we need three in midfield this summer. But with Thiago likely to leave next summer, you could argue we could do it for a midfield. So over the next... No, sorry. There's no argument. We need four in midfield over the next three windows. You'd also have to look at Henderson and Fabinho and say, really and truly, Henderson should be leaving this summer, but he's going to be here next season. And we're going to have to replace him. So there's five midfielders. Fabinho's going to need replacing at some point in the next year or two. There's six midfielders. All you've got is Jones and Besetic. That's it. And one of them's not close to ready. Um, but three midfielders this summer, at least one next summer, possibly two if Fabinho leaves next summer, and then one the following summer when Henderson's contract comes up because there's not a hope he's getting a new deal. Not a hope of it. It's been garbage on this deal. Um, and we need a backup winger. So goalkeeper, four defenders, three midfielders and a backup winger. That's nine players that we need for this squad. Before you factor in having to replace Thiago, Fabinho, Henderson and whoever else might go. Now you can't do nine in one summer. Well, you could, but we won't. So you're looking at two years to replace those players. And if you're doing it over two years, then you have to factor in uh, Thiago. So that now it's 10 players over two years. Five this summer, five next. Maybe you do the starters this year. So you go left side, centre back, your three midfielders. They're your four big money ones. Maybe you find a, a good value backup goalkeeper. That's your five for this year. And then next summer you do five more. You replace Gomez, you replace Matip, you replace Thiago. You get that backup winger and you finally get a decent backup for Trent. But in the meantime, you play a Trent-centric system that if he's not on form, looks like a pile of shit as it has the last two games. Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe we're contenders next season. I think if we can get fourth next season and have a good run in the UEFA Cup, 
or Europe, Europa League, that's going to have to be considered a successful season because there's so much needed. This is a huge rebuild. This is years of neglect coming home to roost. On Liverpool.com, uh, Manuel Ugarte transfer alternative emerges for Liverpool as X-Man City ace can be Fabinho Air. That is Romeo Lavia. One Southampton player did not have his best day at the office on the final day of the season, but his form during the season suggests he could be an answer for Liverpool. He made a big mistake for the Jota goal, and he was then the best player on the pitch for about an hour. Probably no, probably not an hour, because he went off on 60, so about 50 minutes. Um, McAllister completed three more transfers. Liverpool dream starting 11 next season. Uh, this was written by Tom Beatty, who's the breaking news reporter. So let's have a look at what Tom is telling us uh, a dream midfield should look like. In recent weeks, links to Alexis McAllister have intensified so much so that various outlets have reported that it's already done. Um, Midfield, Barella, Mount. List Gravenberch is an option for the number six position, a position he couldn't play in a fit. Um... Overall, it is possible to argue that the best options available to Klopp would be Barella and Gravenberch. Jesus, wept. This is bizarre. I assume this is a typo. But he said that we should sign a left-side centre-back to sit alongside Nat Phillips and Ibu Kanate. I assume he meant Virgil, because <clears throat> he says in the next paragraph that uh, Nat Phillips could leave. So this is the this is the dream midfield, the dream 11. Becker, Alexander-Arnold, Kanate, Virgil, Inacio. I really like that. That's really strong. Front three, Salah, Gakbo, Luis. Midfield three, Barella, Gravenberch, and McAllister. Ryan Gravenberch is nowhere near good enough to start for us. If we bought Ryan Gravenberch this summer, Thiago is better, Fabinho is better, Curtis Jones is better. If we signed Alexis, he'd be better. He wouldn't even get in the team, let alone be part of a of a dream starting eleven. Jesus, what some? Have yourself uh, some more, you know, ambition with these things. Ryan Gravenberch would be a fine fourth midfielder if he's a fourth midfielder brought in as a project. Fair enough. We could do better. That money could be better used. But fair enough, because he's got plenty of talent. The issue is he just doesn't seem to care. But the idea that he'd come in as a starter, let alone a starting six, is just madness. Barella would be great, but it's not going to happen. 
AnfieldIndex.com. The news team have been very, very busy. There's a piece on Jules Kunde, a piece on ambitious transfer window plans, a piece on Alexis McAllister, a piece on Milner, and a piece on Fabio Carvalho, all put together by uh, different members of the media, the news team. There's Mia, there's Harper, and there's Sam. So, um, yeah, those are all there. Podcast-wise, there's a new Moby on the spot if you didn't get to listen to that last week. There is a rival recon. Now, admittedly, the game is over, but still worth giving a listen if you can. There is a post-match role, which is myself, Trev, and Mo. And the last ever Nina Kowser show took place on Sunday, episode 343. An eight-year run, which apparently I was on once and have no memory of at all. Nina says we had a spirited disagreement about Paul Lambert. I genuinely don't remember, but I assume she's not, I assume she's not wrong. It's her show. Um, Yeah. But she had Andy Wales and Carol with her this week and uh, a raft of callers as well. So give that one a listen when you have a chance. And that's it. I'm going to go and just be pissed off for the rest of the week. So you have that to look forward to. You have me in shit form for the rest of the week to look forward to. And this is your fault. So enjoy. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.